Hey guys, welcome to the Politics Mostly podcast. I am your host, Peter Ramirez. And because we have a guest host today, we're not doing music, because I'm not fucking this up. And I already got two mics on this thing. So ladies and gentlemen, back by popular demand, we have Ryan, middle name, M initial, last name, redacted. Yes, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Oh, it's great to be back. Listen, last pod with you put up some big numbers, but I got to be honest with you, my European numbers hit high when you were last on. How does that make you feel? <laughs> you, <laughs> you said, part of Europe. <laughs> it was mostly France, I'll be honest with you. The Fr- Ireland was up, which is probably good for you. Fran- France was up big. You come in as this American libertarian, and all these French socialists are coming out of the woodwork. Uh, you know, my history with France is, uh, that's another podcast. You used to call them Freedom Fries when the, when the, <laughs> the French didn't back our Iraq invasion. And uh, all the Republicans were like, oh, they're not French fries, they're Freedom Fries now. Honestly, some people are like, where did Trump come from? Where did MAGA come from? France wouldn't join our Middle East adventures, and we nick and we removed the name French fries from. Our, <laughs> and if you called them French fries, you weren't patriotic. Mag has been around for a while. That's all I gotta say. Mag has been around for a while. I should clarify. You did yeah. say that I was libertarian. I would oh, like to clarify for yeah. the audience that that is not true. Oh, what would you consider yourself? Uh, you know, uh, a lot um, of things. Oh man, how, how many? What's the time limit on this? Three hours. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I would consider myself, uh, you know, right of center. Uh, but which political spectrum is the question? That's true. You're pretty much just anti-leftist. Yeah. You like to own the left. Yeah, that's. But you're not necessarily pro-right. Exactly. I mean, you know, uh, the left is, the left used to be cool. I, I will say that. The left used to be cool back in the day where, you know. Like FDR back in that day? Uh, or even more recent than that? Like Obama recent? How, how, how recent? No, I oh. would say like pre-1970. Okay. Lefties. You know, when they actually... When there was like a fire the at the, the triangle <laughs> factory and all the women died in the shirtwaist factory. What was it called? Triangle yeah. Yeah. yeah, they locked them inside. And they the whole, the whole platform was a 40-hour work week. <laughs> it was like, well, what about abortion? 40-hour work week. That was you the know, entire I, platform. I, I would liken myself to a bull mooser. Teddy Roosevelt was, was pretty cool. You know, he but was, he was, yeah, Republican, but progressive. Right, right. He was a man's man. You know, he... You know, imagine a president getting shot during a speech and not, like, wavering. He just kept going with his speech. Like, these days, I mean... Well, first of all, Biden probably be KO'd with a shot. Although oh, Reagan yeah. got shot and lived, and Reagan Biden was would old KO'd and fragile, too. Young. True. I mean, he got KO'd by Wintay. We'll get to that <laughs> later. It's called a tease, baby. It's called a tease. Um... All right, we should get into the Biden-Putin stuff, which I guess I don't really understand because this whole thing started with that ABC News interview with George Stephanopoulos, who was, by the way, like a Clinton White House staffer. You know that? He was, yes. Yeah, and now he's like... Objective journalist, obviously. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. I mean, he's, he's straight down the middle, respected by both sides. Um, and then he kind of does like... 
weird entertainment journalist. I don't know. I don't know why this guy's interviewing the president, but that's that's a, that's a second podcast. Um, so he asked Biden, "Is Putin a killer?" And Biden's like, "Well, yeah," which I thought Putin would take as a compliment, but I mean, he didn't. Right, because it depends who it's coming from. Like, obviously, you know, Biden's implying he's some kind of murderous dictator. Uh, you know, for an American president to accuse another foreign leading leader of being a killer is rich. I mean, oh yeah, I, uh, like well, that's, that's that's what that's what ironic. Trump Trump said to the same question because then they played O'Reilly, I guess pre-cancel uh, interviewed um, <laughs> R.I.P. in peace. Um, O'Reilly interviewed Trump like 2016, 2017. Like I said, pre-cancel, and uh, ask the same question: Do you think Putin's a killer? And that's when Trump, uh, Trump asked Trump that question, and that's when Trump gave the famous answer, like, "Oh, you think we're a bunch of nice guys over here, or whatever?" You know, remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> was <And> he lying? <laughs> no, he wasn't lying, but it was so weird that like the president would just come out and be like, "Yeah, we kill people too." <laughs> so like, yes, but also yes. Um. So then, and then Putin like. Wanted to debate Biden. Yeah, what I saw was that Putin said, uh, you know, he would like to challenge Biden to a discussion, live, live broadcasted discussion, uh, or debate. I don't know what they translated it as, but you know, <laughs> want to talk to Biden live on TV, and uh, and then Putin said, uh, you know, I <laughs> I will wish President Biden good health, kind of. Uh, Joking. Sounds like it yeah. sounds like a backhanded compliment <laughs> if you if you'd call it that. But uh, yeah, and obviously the the Biden White House said no. I mean, why would they? That would be an absolute yeah. train wreck for Biden. Biden only looks good debating Trump, and that's because Trump's like railing Diet Coke powder before the debate. <laughs> <laughs> but like against anyone competent, I mean, look at how he was in the. Democratic primaries, he got lost on stage. He was over here like back in 1952, and then some like weird old story. Yeah, and it was long and winding, and it was like, what's the point? And he kind of forgot midway in the story where he was. But I guess what I loved about this Putin story when I read it was that you can just tell Putin thinks about America all the time. And I and I remember, I remember listening to an interview with Ash Carter. Former defense secretary, like late Obama, and um, he said, you know, what makes America different foreign policy-wise is that, you know, we think we have to think about. If you think about China, their main concern is America. If you think about Iran, their main concern is America. ISIS, America, um, Russia, America, North Korea, America. You know, we're the number one foreign policy objective for all these like states and well. ISIS, whatever the fuck ISIS is. Do they even have land anymore? I don't know. Yeah, uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? ISIS yeah. these days. <laughs> it's like fucking, it's on the internet. So it's just, so like, you know Putin cares so much about America. And even when this story broke, it was like the C block in the news. People talk about like the vaccine, COVID, some Trump BS, some Biden BS, the stimulus checks. And I was like, oh yeah, Putin said some stuff. I just think it was so fitting. That Putin was like, 
the third or fourth news, like, you know, they do it by importance on these newscasts. Right. And he was, like, third or fourth. But, you know, in Russia, it was, like, 24-7 news coverage. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's obviously because for the last four or five years, the American media has had this, like, I don't know, weird obsession with Russia. You know, like, I mean, th- again, this is, could be a whole other podcast, you know, <laughs> the... The whole theory about how, you know, Vladimir's Facebook group of dank memes swayed the 2016 election. Um, and But yeah, they've been obsessed with him ever since. And, you know, they always shit talk Putin. I don't think Putin is, I mean, every world leader does shitty things. You know, uh, I don't think Putin is uh, really out of the ordinary. I think it's just the fact that they, you know, one... Russia is a, or was a world superpower. I guess you could rank them up there, um, and also the fact that uh, that you know they think Trump is like buddy buddy with them, um, or they thought he was. I don't know. Yeah, it was Russia's weird. weird. He, he took kind of like hawkish views of Russia. Trump did, or I guess his administration. I mean, he was just live tweeting Fox News. But he, he would, like, never criticize Putin. But yet his government was, like, hard on him. But then he also, like, wouldn't, like, never, never. You know, he used, he called, like, the EU, like, our number one foe. Right. And then it was like, what do you think of Putin? He's like, oh, strong leader. <laughs> it was like, what, what's the, I there mean, certainly is, is a disconnect. Is he not? I don't know. Is Putin not a strong leader? Do his people like him? I don't know. We don't know if any elections are actually real anymore. So sure. we should we should fuck with their elections. We, oh, you, you think we haven't? True. Well, it's not working because he's still there. We, how? <laughs> how? And this this is just a side note. How hilarious is it that we have meddled in foreign elections since like the nineteen fifties via the CIA, and the second anyone suggests. There might be one little case of voter fraud in our own election. People meltdown, meltdown, meltdown. You know, like it's it's hilarious. But uh, you know, I think, and this might actually be uh, be a good point for you know. I wonder what you think of this. Do you think the left has its own um, its own case of American exceptionalism? Right, like they always accuse the the Republicans, GOP, American right of being, you know, always saying America's the greatest country in the world, and always kind of shitting on them for that. But in a way, the left does because they think that our version of quote unquote democracy is like, you know, the 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 epitome of you know of elected government or like. Or, or like these institutions. Like I, I would say, the left thinks that our institutions are, are sacred, just the same way Republicans do, right? Like, how like the left freaks out about the Supreme Court, or the well, left, or the left freaks well, out about, you know, the right would have freaked out if the same situation was reversed. But point taken. Yeah. 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 And that, that's the thing is like, but that's all kabuki theater anyway. They don't actually give a crap that well, 
I guess the that first Neil Gorsuch is on the Supreme Court. Like, what? What does he rule? Ninety nine out of a hundred cases are on some stupid tax in, in, litigation, in, intrastate <laughs> commerce. Yeah, yeah, and like the one case of the year has to do with something that people give a crap about and mm. like headlines. Well, I don't I think, know where I was going. I at think that the first. Well, I think the, the first thing we're talking about, like voting as an institution, and one thing I've never really understood is, you know, this country is like 50-50. The country's 50-50. And it's so weird to me that we go into an election and, you know, there are polls and this algorithm, that algorithm, but you know, like, half the country's conservative and half the country's liberal, roughly. And it's so weird to me when one side wins and the other side's like, where did this come from? Right. I don't even recognize this country. Like... And then, and then for that, I mean, I guess this is more for the right, like, to be angry as, like, a first... Um, I remember when Trump won in 16, and I thought going into it, you know, he's the outside candidate. We just had two terms of a Democratic president. It's very rare to have a third consecutive term with one party. It happened, you know, Reagan to Bush. Bush won. But it's so rare to have three consecutive terms. And, you know, Trump was a little bit odd, but he had a base. He was the outsider. Clinton was just, you know, more of the same. And so I remember being surprised, but not angry. Surprised, like, oh, I didn't see that coming. And actually a little hopeful. I know it's going to sound weird because I'm liberal, but a little hopeful that, you know, maybe he's just going to, like, sign executive orders slashing drug prices by 90%. You know, some popular <laughs> shit. I don't know, you know. Or, like, redo all the trade deals. And now, like, there's factories in Ohio again, you know? Um, so it's just, I guess, like, voting as an institution... Is bad. I is, I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's just... I mean, Democrats were mad about the popular vote, which I get. You know, that Trump lost by, like, 3 million, and then lost by, like, 7 million, which I called on the podcast the other day, the size of Uruguay. Um, <laughs> he lost the popular vote by... Uh, or Paraguay, one of them. Maybe both. <laughs> one uh, of the ways. One of the ways. So I, I mean, and, but now, but now it's such a reverse, right? Because now Republicans are like, oh, voting needs to be so sacred. No mail-in votes. Uh, it's there's going to be one voting poll. It's going to be in a suburban Atlanta in at the country club between nine a.m. and ten a.m. And so I don't know. It's so weird, like how we even view voting, just from like a general perspective. Right. Like, why are people caught off guard by elections? It's, it, the country's 50-50. You know, there was a time where the Democrats controlled the House of Representatives from, like, 1920 to, like, Newt Gingrich's revolution in, like, 94. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they just, ne like, okay, if once Republicans won that, I would be surprised. Because it was just like, well, this was for 70 years. It was just one party. But now it's like two terms, two terms, you know, Trump one term, allegedly. Uh, so I don't know. It's just so weird that I guess my, my one long, my one quick takeaway from that entire rant was I find it odd when people are caught off guard by election results, considering there's really only two parties and the country's 50-50. Right. I mean, I mean, were, were you surprised Trump lost or no? No, not really, because... That, that's the thing. Like, well, like you just said, I wouldn't have been surprised if either of them lost. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Like, Same with me. If Biden lost, I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> and then I'd be like, okay. 
Yeah, but I, I wouldn't be like, what? <laughs> what? A, a one-term president wins the second term? You know? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would have been surprised if Joe Jorgensen won. <laughs> right? Like, that's a shocker. You voted for her? Uh, I did not vote for yeah. it. For... Just voted down ballot, local... Uh... <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's what I do. I like the local elections. That's where you can really make changes, because... Uh, I mean, we really don't have two parties. We really just have one. It's like, and everything that they talk about is all theatrics. It's like, no matter what, foreign aid's going to Israel. Billions of dollars every year. No matter what, Raytheon, General Dynamics, uh, Grumman, Boeing, all their stocks are going up, right? You have the same stupid organizations uh, donating and creating all these packs, like spreading these messages that really have nothing to do with what the uh, the candidate actually is going to implement. Like Joe Biden, like for all intents and purposes, you might as well have like John Kasich as president right now. Like from a foreign policy perspective, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the COVID relief bill would have been 1.9 trillion with Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But like I was talking about it on the pod yesterday, uh, the other day, what happened with MBS, right? The guy who whacked the WAPO journalist, the Saudi crown prince. Everyone was like, oh, you know, Trump protected him. Now, now it's gonna be like a woke moment for the progressives. Like this fucking theocratic monarchy is gonna get it for you know, fucking living in twelve hundred. <laughs> and and what did Biden do? He just released the report. There was no travel ban on him to enter. He could come into this country tomorrow. He could kill another journalist tomorrow. Yeah. There was, like, no accountability. He's still dropping bombs in Syria. Like, okay, congrats, Joe. You re-entered the, clim- the Paris Climate Accord. You took zero enough. political capital. Yeah, yeah. it's like non-binding, you know. I mean, I think it's a good thing, but it's, like, non-binding. But when it comes to actually, like, taking down... You know, the $764 billion Pentagon budget, nothing. No. When it comes to Afghanistan, he's slow walking the withdrawal. Of course he is. Yeah, well, I mean, for the for basically all he did was just slap a rainbow flag on the Pentagon. Like, what, what else has changed? Like, nothing. That's the thing. Is like, I don't know if it's people. What do you think? Do you think it's people actually supported the Democrats this election or did they just were they just kind of sick of Trump and his his nonsense for the past four years or it could have been I think I think anytime there's an incumbent on the ballot it's a referendum on the incumbent I think when there's an open election like Clinton versus Trump it's like well which of these two but like you know, was were people pro Romney or were they anti Obama? It was either you're pro Obama or anti Obama. He just ran the country for four years. Right. So I think you know, and then on top of that, Trump is like, fucking hell bent on being the news story. You know, every fucking second. My favorite thing Trump used to do was there'd be like a political thing going on or like a scandal or someone's getting canceled or they canceled some show or they started some show and he'll just like tweet about it like as president yeah and like that was always the funny thing because i was like oh the president just waited on like the bachelor finale or whatever it was yeah. you know like obviously not that low but 
Uh, well, I guess this is a good transition to these China summit talks. Now that we're talking foreign policy, um, the U.S. And the, Ch and the Chinese delegations, I think they're in Alaska talking about bilateral relations. What do you think is going to come out of this? Anything? No. <laughs> I, th I think China, I mean, China's the largest economy in the world now, right? The, I think so. I mean... I, you know, a lot of people like to, to shit on China, but I, you know, I feel like if you don't, same thing with Russia, uh, I, I think if you don't respect your enemy, you're bound to lose. Mm -hmm. You know, not that I would, you know, you would call them an enemy in certain circumstances, you know, it's not like we're in some kind of conventional war. It's more of like a, you know, economic and political well, yeah. What, what is what does Biden call it? He gets shit on by the magosphere all the time. He doesn't call them an enemy. He calls them an economic competitor or something. You know. I think there's somewhere in between. Yeah. You know, like you can't just shit all over China because, first of all, like they don't give a damn about human rights, right? Like any country that doesn't care about human rights whatsoever, like. You can't really shit talk them because they obviously do not take you seriously. Like how we've been railing on China at the UN, UN, the, the entire other podcast yet again, um, <laughs> railing about China for years about human rights violations, the the Muslim concentration camps over there. They don't care about any of that. Like China does not care. They have. The power lies with the money, and they've been making bank. For the that's past that's year. actually like an advantage for them because what happens like for this five G networking, right? Like we're trying to dispatch Cisco to all these like European countries to hook up their infrastructure to five G, right? And we have com competition from China, and they have like these huge conglomerates, and we go to like you know Hungary or Poland, these countries that are like rapidly becoming like essentially non democracies, and we're like, hey. Well, why are you up for 5G, but, like, you got to allow elections again? And then yeah. China's coming in, like, we'll do it half the price and fucking mow them down in Tiananmen Square for all we care, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's like, so it's, it's like kind of, I'm actually on board, and this may surprise some of my viewers, listeners. Um, when it comes to, like, the 5G economic trading, I'm really not big into, like, attaching human rights into everything we do internationally because a they're just not going to do it anyway they'll say they do it and they won't and b you know china russia iran they're going to come in and be like oh well we'll sell you oil and you don't have to you can keep murdering the gays or doing whatever you want to do you know yeah. like they yeah. you know they're not going to care here's here's politico's headline on um the these chinese talks quote fundamentally at odds <laughs> that's that's the takeaway it was pretty it was a pretty icy uh it was a pretty icy relationship. Do you think this is like the start of like a new Cold War with China? Because it seems like both parties, at least rhetorically, are, are now anti-China. Um, I think that it's definitely the start of something. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if it's a... It's, I mean, the economic war has been going on for the last few decades. Like China, like Europe, the EU now has China as its main 
uh, trading partner. Like, it's no longer the U.S. So, like, China is just, like, steamrolling in every sector, no matter where you go. They, I mean, I just don't think our, our establishment, you know, it, it's just not respectable. Like, there's no, like, if you looked, if you watched the video today, like, I watched this video of Blinken. I don't know much about him, I'll admit. I just know he's Secretary of State, right? Yeah. I know there's, there's no H in his name. It's Anthony, but it's just Anthony. <laughs> so he, so he's sitting across from the Chinese delegation. And next to him, I don't know who this woman is. Betsy DeVos. <laughs> I don't know who she is. I'll look it up while you talk. But she's got purple hair. Oh, does she really? Yeah. And I just, I read a report on here. I think it was from WAPO or Politico that Biden, the White House, after that video came out, was pissed because they trotted out this woman that's next to him who had purple oh, hair. Oh, I'm seeing that. She looks, she looks Chinese. Maybe you think she was a translator? I mean, I don't want to be like racist. Like she obviously could have a position. Although it's not, it's very, it's purple, but it's not like. I'm a lesbian purple. Yeah, it's not like it's a, like a it's like a dark. Long no, long no, long. it's it's not like a neon purple. But yeah, I mean, it is. It's like a gray purple. Yeah, but I, I mean, I just don't think that. I, th- I think China, in a way, is kind of. Oh, here it is, Jack Jack Pasebiak, whatever the right wing guy. This morning, Biden yelled at Blinken for bringing a staffer with purple hair to the CCP summit. So I guess it was a staffer. It wasn't a. Yeah. A translator. It's so oops, I'm gonna get canceled. Oh, or that too. <laughs> but. But yeah, I, I think China does not take us seriously. I think that a lot of people are no longer taking us, or by people I mean other nations, because because of Biden or just generally. I just generally like you see the the uh, the UN like representatives of China in the UN or like their social media accounts trolling America, like I don't know the equivalent of their like Secretary of State like. Ministry of Propaganda, probably. But they're just like, you know, America really has to take a hard look at the um, the human rights violations they have, uh, you know, that they have watched over on their own citizens, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. committed all these atrocities on their own, which is hilarious coming from China. But I think it's just like, they're kind of using, not that China believes it, they're kind of using the American left's own woke propaganda against us, you know? Well, it's definitely interesting. I remember the State Department puts out every year, like, a human rights report on, like, every country. Like, this is your grade. This is your press freedom. This is if you, like, round up minorities or whatever, you know? <laughs> and and for the bigger countries, like China, Russia, you know, some, I'm probably not European countries. They're pretty much like us. A lot of them are better. Um, and... <laughs> uh, and we have like these annual reports. And then I remember this happened, I think in Obama's second term. So, you know, every year we'd release a report on China, for example, and it'd be like, hey, they're uh, indoctrinating the Muslims in Xinjiang, whatever, Xinjiang, whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. Or uh, child late, you know, 20% of children under 10 are, you know, in factories, you know, whatever the report would say. <laughs> Making half a cent of the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So then I remember it was like 2014, China started putting out an annual human rights report on the U.S. And they were just like, hey, you know, blacks have like 60% the wealth of whites and they're the most incarcerated state in the world. And yeah. there's 
all these gun deaths and it was like you know just them trying to like bring us down too but also you know i think your greater point is kind of right like there was a there was a time i guess after the fall of the soviet union where it was like we were the hyperpower and we could you know we could drop bombs in like the balkans bill clinton uh without anyone really caring because who was going to challenge us you know the the ussr was down uh you know europe was was allied with us this was really like pre-terrorism or i guess in the way that we think of it you know pre-9-11 uh china was still like a bunch of farmers you know growing but still like a distant threat like who was who was number two England, like, okay. <laughs> I don't even know what they are. Yeah, like, you know. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I guess, I guess, I guess, I agree with part of what you're saying that there's so much scrutiny on America from within America. You know, uh, a Republican is president, and then the left goes crazy, like, why are you separating the kids? And now, like, now we look bad internationally. And then a Democrat's president, and the right's like, look at the border. You know, I, well, I guess that's the same example twice. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much pressure within America from the minority party to make the governing party look bad. That it kind of just makes us look oh, yeah. bad internationally. But I don't even know how to fix that. What's, what's the solution? Not to have elections? Well, I don't think that's all. <laughs> the minority party always does that. I think yeah. it's just the fact that we've become such an our political the discourse has changed. Like, our political discourse is such a joke at this point, where it's like, um, like, like, there's so many insane examples, I can't even think of one off the top of my head. Like, it used to be like, oh, what's the, you know, political debate or policy debate back in, by back in the day, I mean, like, 15, 20 years ago, is like, you know, uh, Made changes to uh, relation, international relations with this country, that country, uh, domestic policy, like welfare, workers' rights, like you know the traditional traditional political issues. And now we've devolved into like you know is uh, you know the. The leprechaun on the Lucky Charms box racist. <laughs> like, th- things like that, where it's, like, devolved into such meaningless garbage that, like, you can't even have intelligence I think it was even. Anymore. I think it was even more recent than you think. I remember in 2012, the first year we could vote federally, I remember Obama and Romney debating, and they were talking about block grants for Medicaid. It was like wonky stuff about the budget, which was probably not good for ratings, but it was like, uh, it wasn't, you know, are you a racist for this? Right. Do you hate poor people for that? It was like them debating like part of the Affordable Health Care Act. Yeah. And it was all about policy. Even in the debates with Biden when he was functional (laughs) and Paul Ryan. In 2012, like I remember them debating like line items on like a budget bill, yeah, or something. You know, it was like it made any other person fall asleep. You know, it was it was boring. Politics used to be boring, right? I mean, so boring. 
Yeah. Now, at least, it's a little bit more exciting. But it's also, like, worse in, in the same breath. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. <laughs> the stakes are higher. More people seem to be, I mean, voter turnout was really high last election, despite the pandemic. It was, what, like, 60-something percent, almost 70 percent. And then there was one election that was, like, 50 percent, maybe 2012, maybe? It was, like, it was like, like mid-50s. Like now it's, like, upper 60s. You know, most people are voting now, at least, but... Well, I don't know if that's necessarily good, then. That's another pod. Jeez. Um, so we, we got to talk about this. Biden falling down the stairs. What was your first reaction? Well, falling, he, fell, he fell like up the stairs. He was going up the stairs and fell. Right. Yeah. Um, the first thing I thought of was Trump at the Army-Navy game. Where he stumbled on the ramp. Oh, where he couldn't get down there. And people went like <laughs> insane, like, you know, CNN is Trump medically uh, qualified, like healthy but that was, enough. That to... was let me let me do a quick defense of that. Was not the same week where he couldn't like drink water out of he used two hands to drink water at a speech. You remember this? He was he went to drink and he couldn't lift, not because it was heavy, but like it was like a brain connection thing. So he took. <laughs> His second hand and drank wa- a cup of water like this. Well, podcast listeners is not. This is a visual, but yeah. <laughs> and then like <laughs> then like next week he's like he he's like holding on to a guy's arm to like walk down a gradual ramp. Yeah, that was actually one of my best arguments against my MAGA cousins. Shout out MAGA cousins, even though you're not listening. Um, they would always be like, "Oh, Biden's too frail." Biden's too-. and look, Biden's not a sharp guy. I'm not going to say he is, but Biden like. A year or two before Trump went down the ramp, literally ran up that ramp so the same ramp, right? As like the former vice president to give a speech, and he just ran up it, and Trump couldn't even walk down it. And I was like, <laughs> "Fucking nailed it! We got it!" It's like an experiment. It's literally the same ramp, the same angle, and it was like these two together. But anyway, I, I, I think, cut you off. You can go I think back. the the take home lesson of all of this is. Uh, <laughs> shocking, eighty year old yeah. man can't really walk. Yeah, you know, like. And you, you look at his, like, daily schedule, Biden, and it's a lot of, like, meetings and, like, stuff behind the scenes, but it's not, like, travel, rallies, interviews. Yeah, for all he you knows, he's, he's, like, you know, zoning out in these meetings. I'd zone out if I had, like, ten meetings a day. I have, oh, like, yeah. two meetings a day and I zone out. It's, so, for all yeah. we know, he's, you know, he's, he's chilling. Yeah. He's chilling. Yeah, and, you know, he does have, like, some sort of I mean he's just an old man like I don't know what everyone's surprised about or I don't know if like I think the the more he shows his age like calling Harris President Harris oh he did that? yeah he did that like three <laughs> days ago it's Freudian like, slip yeah like all these Freudian slips misspeaking like he probably can't even keep up with the teleprompter and like yeah no shit you know he, he's an old man, like he's not what he was in in, tw- in two thousand eight. Oh, he was sharp. He was sharp. He was on fire back then. He was, and he had like some anger still. Like now he's a little bit older and less angry. Yeah. Now he has more of like a like a like a temper, but like he used to be like fucking angry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was that, you know, angry that, Irish guy, <laughs> Irish American, yeah. angry dude, yeah. and uh, you know, and like I said, he's never been that stereotypical. You know, uh, social justice. No, lib. He just kind of hitched that wagon yeah. to his campaign to but, get the young vote. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. In reality, like 
what he was saying back in the 70s and 80s would like oh, mainstream like blow, if from what Trump was saying the past two elections was tame compared to what Biden said in the Senate. Oh yeah, all these Democrats were like ago. super pro police, anti crime, anti immigration, like crazy pro gun. There used to be like barely any difference between the parties. Yeah, I mean policy, and uh, this is a hot take. Take it, do it. Policy. No one's wise, listening. Don't worry, except pol- in France. <laughs> <laughs> policy wise, yeah. Trump's platform very similar to Bill Clinton. Really, I think so. Like, try to try to. Well, Trump Trump did a big tax Trump did a big tax cut for corporations. I mean, I meant more like, like immigration stuff, immigration policing, that kind of thing. Like, Bill Clinton was what like maybe what he ramp up entitlements a bit and taxes maybe. I don't think he cut taxes. No, uh, I meant like uh, he raised them. Raised them a little yeah. bit. I mean, besides that, it's like the the real. Well, he also signed the assault weapons ban, nineteen ninety four, right? Yeah, yeah. So I so guess I, I, I meant more on like immigration. I, culturally, Clinton was a conservative guy. Law and order kind of. So yeah, I, I agree with that. That like culturally, like he would have been like deport them at the border. Yeah. yeah. Like just turn them around. Right. I doubt we had these rules we have now, where like they have a. They have the right to like appear in a trial and say they're like you know fleeing something. Right. Even even Trump's immigrate proposed immigration policies were like compared to how the laws used to be, was like tame. You know, like he was like, yeah, build a wall, okay. But I mean, how how well the does wall, a wall? A lot of the wall was already there. Yeah. Who built that? Other racists. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the. And correct me if I'm wrong, where the immigration problem started to arise was kind of like W, right? Yeah, it spiked. Yeah. Then. Um, but a lot of it was like seasonal. Like they'd come for a few months, pick crops, and then like go back. Right. And then at some point they were just like, we're not going back. Yeah. <laughs> but um, one thing I will say, and I'll throw, Trump, I'll throw Trump a bone here. I remember, not that this Biden thing reminded Biden falling on the stairs reminded me of this, but it kind of did. Do you remember that time where Trump had like toilet paper on his foot going off the tarmac? Did he really? Yeah. And my first thought was that's funny, but I never thought, oh, imagine what our allies are thinking overseas, because like I'm sure if I googled Boris Johnson falling, I'm sure that guy falls every fucking day. That guy looks like every he, fucking day. He cuts his hair like he's a Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Like, that, that guy just looks like a clown. I mean, Emmanuel Macron. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Yeah. Like, married his tutor when he was in high school. His, She's like 20 years old. Wife, yeah, his wife is, like, dead almost. Yeah, like... It, <laughs> she didn't get, <laughs> us, get us in trouble with our second biggest audience. Yeah. But the point is, like, I didn't view any of those stories and be like, oh, England sucks or, oh, France sucks. I mean, maybe they do, but that's separate. The point is, the I guess this happens more with the right, but the left did it too, where it's like, oh, our leader had a moment of like embarrassment or weakness and like, imagine what China's doing. Or like, you know, they must be laughing in Russia. Like, no, they're not. They don't give a fuck. No, <laughs> no one's paying attention. You didn't even catch the toilet paper thing and you follow politics closely. And I, I, didn't, I didn't see the Biden thing until like today. 
Yeah, and, I, and but that's the thing is like things are so absurd these days that like a guy having toilet paper on his yeah, shoe is probably funny. like bottom of the totem pole in terms of headlines. The problem, you know, I've I've looked into this like political science research. Whoa, I'm doing uh, homework for the pod. Um, <laughs> I remember looking into this because it was actually in one of my polycyclists. Yeah, trust source, me. source. But essentially, like political science people have looked at political elections, and what they found is like gaffes don't matter unless there's a stereotype about a politician, and that gaff reinforces the stereotype. That's when it matters. So like the brain dead Biden thing. Right. So that's what I was going to bring it up. Is like if Biden was Pete Buttigieg. And he fell going up the stairs. He's like fucking 40 or some shit. No one would be like, oh, he looks so weak. And just be like, oh, look, he fell. Yeah. Yeah. But because Biden's like old and, and the stereotype's like, uh. It was the same thing with Romney. This is like what the study was that I read in college where right. Romney came out and was like 47% of Americans are reliant on like the federal government for some sort of benefit. And Republicans will never get those votes. So we have to get the other 53%. And like, and it was, it was, um, audio caught in a fundraiser. You know, he's talking to like big donors. And people were like, oh, see, like Romney's an elitist. He only cares about the 1% being yeah. capital. But if like another politician who didn't have that stereotype, who wasn't wealthy like Romney is, said it, it wouldn't have been as bad. Yeah. So for politicians, it's all about does this person have a stereotype? Uh, like, like Obama, his stereotype was like he didn't like, like, uh, Midwestern white people. So when he said, sometimes people cling to their guns and their religion, like people were like, what the hell are you doing? You know, because yeah. it, it reinforced the stereotype. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the Biden stereotype is old, feeble, doesn't really know where he is. Now he's slipping up the stairs. That's why it's a big story. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of that. Way. Well, listen, that's why I'm here, baby. We're all here to learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, I want to. Listeners, I tried to keep this out of the pod, but Ryan insisted. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, did you see? I saw. I saw. Um, <laughs> I saw yesterday. I just thought of this now or two days ago. The Jewish space laser thing, which I'm sure you're an adherent to, big <laughs> yes, time. I'm very aware of the Jewish space lasers. <laughs> she claimed. She said the other day in an interview, she didn't know the Rothschilds were Jewish. And that was her defense. So it was just a space laser, not a Jewish space laser. Because she didn't know the Rothschild banking family was Jewish. How do you not know that? <laughs> that's, what, that's why it was funny. It's because like, everyone knows I they're mean, Jewish. Global bankers, most likely. Get me in trouble. All right. Marjorie Taylor Greene. What's the latest on her? What are you hearing? What are you seeing? Uh, so... A new report came out that the Democratic caucus in the House is looking at passing a resolution expelling her from Congress. Um, oh, it was only Democrats. Well, I guess that makes sense. Well, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that's so. Gross. And it's happened to only three congressmen ever. Over what do you know? It was over like crimes they one did. One of them was one was it, this was like in the eighteen hundreds. One was for bribery, and two of them were Confederates that they expelled from Congress after the war. Uh, oh, so sounds sounds accurate. Yeah, I I'm uncomfortable with the idea of the opposing party 
deciding <laughs> who serves in Congress with the other party. I mean, how right. is that not disenfranchising to the people of Georgia who voted for her? Oh, wait, 100%. It's is. so dumb. And it's like no matter – there's no – no matter what, you always have people in Congress saying insane things that aren't true. But that is the definition of political speech. Your political speech is what what it is. Like there's no all it is is your opinion, your ideology, whatever. No matter how insane it is, you know, there's the first amendment. And, you know, and this in this instance, it's not an argument over Twitter or Facebook about the First Amendment where it like doesn't apply because it's a private corporation. It's like, no, this is Congress where literally where the First Amendment came from, you know, like, and it applies because it's the government. How they're going to potentially justify expelling her for what seems to me to be just being an idiot. Being an idiot and <laughs> It's saying so dumb. things that that the Democrats so don't dumb. like is it was just so it is dumb, and that's this is the kind of thing that one day you know the Mitch McConnell curse come back to bite him in the ass, right? Like because he'll start doing this. One day Republicans get the majority, yeah, Joe Manchin, and they just start right. expelling Democrats, right? Like it was the same thing that. with her um, committee assignments. I spoke out against it. I don't know if it was a pod or an article. I spoke out against it because I was like, look. Democrats are probably going to lose the House in the midterms, which always happens. And they only have like an eight-person majority as is, so like it's a thin margin. What's going to happen when Kevin McCarthy is Speaker of the House? Are they going to start taking off AOC, off the Banking Committee? Right. You know, it's, exactly. it's going to be the same thing. I was so uncomfortable. And by the way, it was also a bad look to the Democrats, not just because now Republicans are going to turn around and do this against like Ilhan Omar, but... Because they could have made Marjorie Taylor Greene the fucking face of the Republican Party. It would have been good for them, politically. Look, yeah. she's on these committees. Look, she's she's asking uh, Space Force confirmation hearing about space lasers or whatever the hell she's doing. You know? <laughs> that, that could have been like your campaign ad. And what do you do? You strip her of her power. And you make her the victim, which is kind of what all these politicians want to be. And they fundraise off of it. And it's just... Ugh. It's it so was wrong dumb. on like every level you thought about if it. If you're in Congress, the people. If there are any congressmen yeah. or senators that listen to this podcast, no. <laughs> <laughs> my message to you is: if you get elected to Congress, congratulations, you've entered the Thunderdome. Mm. There, it's you know no holds barred. There, you can say whatever the hell you want, and about other people, about the other party, and. You also have to just take it when it comes your way, right? Like, there's no reper your repercussions for saying those dumb things should only, unless you're committing crimes, should only be an election, right? Like, right. Yeah, that's how like, you get oh, we're, we're holding Marjorie Taylor Greene accountable for da 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 da. The people of, of Georgia 16 hold her accountable. Right. Yeah. And, and they. Because, and that's another thing that's like. And by the way, there's probably no Democrat who can beat her in her district. Then run run a regular Republican in a primary. If people are like, 
embarrassed of her, they'll vote for the Republican. A different yeah. Republican. It's yeah. not like it's not like this has to be a Democrat now. Like just get like a regular Republican. Yeah. Exactly. If, if you're embar- and if you're not embarrassed, if we send her back. If if you see what she's doing in Congress and you're like, that a girl, that's exactly my values, <laughs> then vote for her again. Like that's the whole point of democracy. You know, but this whole idea of like I don't know. Banning congressmen from Congress after they've been elected. After they've been elected for speech is just like if any you know, people love to throw around the term un American. Very that is because it it disenfranchises like seven hundred and fifty thousand Americans. Yeah, you're suppressing speech and you're disenfranchising an entire congressional district. Yeah. Um all right, we're how long do you think that pod was? Uh, what, uh, 35 minutes? 48 and 48. a half. Oh, wow. Juicy. That was a good one. Yeah. We kind of winged the whole thing. I thought we were going to be like 15 minutes in and be like, <laughs> I don't know what you want to do. Um, well, we, we did go on a couple of tangents. Yeah, yeah. We had a few topics, but then... Talking about know, global bankers. We got, talk, yeah. <laughs> we got, got, a little, got a little spicy there. Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Uh... Yeah, I, I I'd like to add that for, for the record, <laughs> for the record, um, you know, the whole thing right now about people canceling this, people mm-hmm. canceling that. Maybe this is, and this might be a good segue into, you know, a future podcast. I think our culture has become. Get ready for it. I'm ready. A secular Calvinist kind of culture. Was this like a Ben Shapiro tweet? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. What do you mean by that? In the sense of like, you know, the Calvinists back in the day, if they even suspected you of being, of of straying from the faith, right? Or. Uh, if you said anything that even might be taken as mildly critical of mainstream thought, you were banished. Ex- excommunicated. Excommunicated, banished from society. You were no longer part of their quote-unquote flock of, of believers. I feel like that's a similar thing that's happening now with the, uh, the cancel culture, woke culture, social justice, whatever you want to call it. Like, there's no debate. It's like they put forth premises, like false premises, and then if you argue it, then they don't even want to debate. It's like, if you say something mildly critical, then you are an awful person just because you're going against this, you know, radical ideology. That, you know, something I will shit on the right for is that over years now the right just just refused to stand up to any of this stuff and now you know they, now it's too late they, it's too late and they deserve it do you see this alexi mccammon thing i think that's her name um, like teen vogue editor she was she was a reporter for axios for a really long time but they unearthed tweets she made as a teenager that were like anti-asian and I saw them, and they were, like, pretty anti-Asian. But they are also, like, when she was 17 or something. Right. So then she went from Axios to um, 
the the editor in chief of Teen Vogue, which is Condé Nast. Oh. Um, <laughs> I raised my pinky in the air for the the audio listeners. Bad radio. Yeah, <laughs> bad radio. Uh, and then, so what happened was she she in the interview process she acknowledged all these like old tweets that right. have since been deleted. Right. And they hire her because she was she's also African American. Um, and so she acknowledged it and, and, and they hired her anyway. She was like, you know, I was young, I'm, I was stupid, whatever, I'm sorry. And they hired her. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was, and this is where you get into trouble, these big corporations, two of them, I think it was, uh, I don't know, you know, fucking makeup companies said they're going to withhold advertising on Teen Vogue until she was gone. And then sure enough, the next day she was out. Because they have the the purse strings, whatever they call them, purse strings. Yeah. So that's that's something you know. You love corporations. I hate corporations. You love corporations, but now that they're like fake woke, now they control the strings of who gets hired. I mean, and what's gonna happen to her? I mean, I said some stupid shit when I was seventeen. I say some stupid shit now. Yeah. This this <laughs> see this is right. That's a great question. Now what happens to her? This is my huge problem that I have. At what point? So you're telling me that someone's tweets from however many years ago, or even today, could have been last week. That means that that person now should no longer Work be able to ever. feed their family and I mean, pay could their she, bills. Could she How even fucked go, up is that? Could she even go back to Axios now? Maybe she's just... Could she go anywhere, right? Like, what's your... And this is hilarious. So... You know, the the left bashes these people for, you know, wearing a dress that is traditionally Japanese, but, oh, you're a white girl, so mm. uh, you can't wear that. That's a cultural appropriation. Now, whatever job you work at that you got after college, uh, no matter how good you were at it, no, no matter how nice of a, and great of a person you were, now you have to be fired from that job simply for... Uh, checking the box of some abstract racist uh, philosophy that we have. So now you can no longer pay your bills. You no longer can feed your family. Now you have to uh, get a job working minimum wage uh, for a corporation that the left allegedly hates for paying minimum wage in the first place. Full circle, baby. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's destructive think- and they're going to eat their own soon because... You know, it's going further and further left where it's like, you know, uh, or I wouldn't even call it left. They're just insane. Now, granted, this is a tough week to be, a tough time period to be, you know, have old anti-Asian tweets. Tough week, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe that played into it. But I think you, you need to allow room for atonement, too. And also, you need to look at this stuff a pattern. You know, you can cancel. You know, Bill Cosby should have been canceled, of course. You know, Harvey Weinstein, cancel that. We should cancel Cuomo. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> like, you know, some people can be canceled if it's a pattern, if there's no remorse, if there's no effort to be better. Right. But like I always say, if you tweeted Lil Wayne lyrics in eighth grade, yeah. you don't deserve anything that they're, that they're doing to these people. Like, that's, that's innocent. That's innocuous shit, you know. Listen, I have a Twitter account. I don't tweet... I only tweet articles and podcast links. I don't tweet any... I could be buzzed. 
I won't go on it and tweet, you know, Ted Cruz should do this because he's in Cancun, you know, whatever. Because that's just, it's going to come back. Right. It's going to come back when I'm OMB director nominee. <laughs> and they're like, oh, look, we got this quote. You called Rand Paul an amphibian in 2012. What do you mean by this? Well, yeah. let me tell you, Senator. I'll tell you what I mean. So I guess, you know, it sucks that we kind of got to that point where the take-home point is just tweet less and, and be less on social media. But maybe that's just kind of like the antidote. And it sucks because it's like you have to resort to that. But also, you know, you got to play by society's rules, baby. But that's the thing is like the society is it's not even <clears throat> and this is something that I can't even wrap my head around. The vast majority of the public, I believe, does not think this way. Like, no, it's a minority of a minority. Right, and, and it's just an extremely loud minority that screeches about the, the slightest infractions on their own ideology that it creates that ripple effect where it's like, 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 for example, I remember, and it all, I mean, the answer to any of these questions you ever ask is always like money always comes down to money so like I remember a few years ago in the Super Bowl I think it was Volkswagen or Chrysler Cadillac one of, one of these car companies they you know they had a commercial during the Super Bowl about oh how we're so diverse you know uh, all this pro X minority slash oppressed or so-called oppressed group of people. Uh, we ha- we're all about them and we support them. And then you go to their Wikipedia page and their entire board of directors is all white men over the age of 65. Like, not that I personally give a crap about that, but they are intentionally hypocritical about it because they they just want to make money like they they hedge their bets on what kind of marketing is going to get them money right like i would have thought that nike making nike sponsoring colin kaepernick might have lost the money but i think it gained the money yeah right so but they have experts in the market economists run all these you know, war games and simulations, if you want to call them that for them, basically saying like, hey, is this marketing going to make us money? And then they run it. They don't care what the ideology is. It's all, their ideology is money. Right. And, and you know, they, they're, they care about young consumers who tend to skew very liberal too. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm actually happy you brought that up. I was actually, I did an article about this. That's currently being pitched to a major publication. We'll see how it goes. Probably not well. Um, <laughs> so, the same election cycle, and this gets to your point. Like, oh, all these liberal people are like, Nike's our friend. Look, Colin Kaepernick ad, right? Wrong. According <laughs> to the Center for Responsive Politics, in the same, so Nike ran that Colin Kaepernick ad September of 2018. They were midterms in 2018. In that election cycle, Nike gave 78% of its political contributions to Republicans. 
during the 2018 <laughs> election cycle. Exactly. And, you know, it's the same thing I talk about in the article too. Pfizer. Oh, I, I mean, you could pick like most of these countries. Pfizer changes their logo to the LGBT rainbow flag for the entire month of June. You know, oh, we do all this stuff. They're out here donating a million dollars to, you know, 200 and something anti-gay legislators. So, you know, they, these companies, they're woke on like, they pick and choose their social issue. And, um, you know, they, they don't care about, if it's between being woke on race or gender or like their money, they're going to pick money all the time. Yeah. And they're, they're not your friend. These companies are not your friends, liberal people. Right. Get over it. And the, I think conservatives should learn they're not their friends either. Like, they, oh, yeah. they only... They vote or donate in their best interest. Like, they are not going to... Uh, they're going to do whatever grows their bottom line. Mm-hmm. And they don't care who is in office... Right, like, as long as that person or party is going to uh, make domestic policy more uh, comfortable for them economically, then they're gonna then then they're gonna do that. And like, they donate one way and market the other way. It's actually kind of a perfect strategy if you perfect. think about it. Perfect, because you got all these liberals thinking. They're our friends. Look, look at look. It's it's a rainbow themed logo. They're our friends. Yeah. And then they're you know they're pumping money into Republicans, so there's never any legislation against them. Yeah. And then they they win they win the two front war, baby. Like the like the Black Lives Matter uh, and Pride parades last year, the Black Lives Matter protests, sponsored by Citigroup. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> like it's so. Meanwhile, you go into Insane. Citigroup's history, they were probably fucking bankrolling the slave trade if you go back far enough, you know? <laughs> right. Well, legally, that was a joke. Legally, that was, that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> parody law. Yeah, parody law, uh, fair rights law. Um, but yeah, the, like, it, it's definitely changed since. Uh, and all this stuff. I don't think has been going on that long. Like very rare, very recent. It's very re- like two thousand eight. Occupy Wall Street was a v- you don't that was more of a populist kind of protest. They just wanted someone to go to jail over right. the right. That they wanted someone to be held accountable for everybody's families going into financial ruin. Yeah, it wasn't about like identity or anything. No, it had nothing to do with that. You know, you had and then, you know, obviously if a protest lasts long enough, eventually the crazies show up. Oh, yeah. And then you had I mean, if you just go on YouTube, the videos from Occupy Wall Street is like a gold mine of just like weird fucking stuff. Yeah. weird shit and circus people. Um but that was a totally different I don't know if you want to call it left or populist. Uh, old kind of old left. Yeah. It was like, right. like we talked earlier. That was like the tail end 40, of the old left. Yeah. Right. 40, 40, uh, 40 hour work week is an entire platform. Right. Because that, that whole, you know. Fire, it, fire exits their entire platform. <laughs> it went from it went from class consciousness to race consciousness now. And, you know, if, if you're 
to mess around with race that much or you have a bad time. Which is why a lot of white, people are... White right. backlash. Yeah, not even only that. It's like everyone's like, you know, not not even white people. I feel like as everyone has, or most people have this opinion, it's like, yeah, like most things aren't racist. And if you go around, like these people go around looking for racism or something that they can interpret as racism. Like, yeah. you know, like... Uh, like I said before, like they're gonna, you know, Bugs Bunny's next for some reason. You know, he they he said something in a cartoon from 1947. Uh, you know, now you, he you said have to, fuck these uh, gypsies, huh, guys? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I write for an online magazine, and you know, not regularly, but yeah, I'm I'm a contributor, and I will look at you know this publication, which I won't name. Uh, from time to time, even if I don't have anything out there. And I'm telling you, I look at these articles and I'm like, well, you know, the, the, the feature article the other day was there are four types of racists. Which one are you? Well, maybe I'm a non-racist, right? <laughs> like, is that, yeah. is, that an, is that option five? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, and it's weird because like these are, you know, I'm, I'm left. These are my people. But it's like, will I be kicked out one day? Probably. <laughs> will, I, will I not pass the purity test? Probably. I mean, the, it's like there there's there's a lot of people that have this idea that uh, uh, I don't even know how to put it like there's remnants of the left that actually understand that like most people's lives are shitty because of the financial situation they're in not necessarily because of their skin color, right? Like, the most, the demographic that is the most in poverty in the U.S. is white people, right? Maybe per capita, yeah, more black people. Yeah, there's more white people living in poverty than other minorities. Right. But the percentage is lower, but I know what you're saying. Right. And... How are you going to, how do they rationalize so many white people in poverty? Right? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like the white, the, the poor white people kind of get uh, ostracized as some kind of hillbilly redneck racists that don't even deserve to make money anyway. And then if you're poor and you're anything other than white, then you're an oppressed group of people, you know? So I think that if they keep going down the, the race route, uh, it's a losing battle. And ultimately, I think uh, the Republican Party or the right in America, if they can co-opt economic populism... That's, that's the problem. That's where can the left they? loses. That is, well, that's yeah. that's yeah. the Republicans' golden ticket. Well, they, they, got, they, gotta they, get, got, they gotta get off the trickle down stuff. Yeah, get off the Reagan trickle down bootstrap economics. You know, pick up those. It's it comes down to this: populist economic policies and immigration. That's their golden ticket to winning every election for the next. Look, I th was I years. was I telling you this the other day or not? There was a 
an Amazon unionization drive in Alabama, red state. Most of the workers are black. They want to appeal to minority voters, Republicans. And it's against Amazon, this tech giant, that deplatformed parlor that is, you know, uh, you know, funding Democrats and, you know, doing all this tech stuff. You know, they're like a boogeyman with, you know, the other tech companies for the right. And so there's this big unionization drive. What You know, you'd think, oh, you know, African-American workers, red state, safe red state, uh, trying to get higher wages. We can and not just higher wages from like a pharmacy company or, you know, something that like funds the Republican Party, but like a, mm. the, a, a left wing. I mean, I would call Amazon left wing, but a big a giant tech company. Right. And where were the Republicans? Not down in Alabama. They were talking about Potato Head. They were talking about Dr. Seuss. Yep. I think they missed a big opportunity. They could have come out and said, but, you know, they're so anti-union that that's why, you know, if you talk immigration and cancel culture and then you run on, like, let's have more tax credits to Amazon, you're not going to gain a lot of people. Yeah, they have to stop, like... The people who run, like, PR and marketing for the RNC are, like, they just sound like they're just still these boomer conservatives that's like, oh, cancel culture's here. Meanwhile, they're, like, seven years too late. Like, this has already been a thing, and now you're talking about this? Like, you need to get, like, a different strategy because... No one cares uh, about your uh, policy on school vouchers, right? What it comes down to is Or even social conservatism. I mean, that's not a huge selling point for young people. No, no, no. I mean, in reality, you just want to get people's wages higher. You know, like people vote with their bank accounts... They, they want to see their less taxes coming out, but at the same time, maybe some nice social services. You know, uh, this whole thing about, you know, having no taxes on the rich, but then never changing the, the tax code for anyone making under 100 grand a year, it's insane. I'll go a step further. This may surprise you. I'm going to make news right here on the pod. If Republicans kept all their immigration stuff, abortion stuff, gay right, gay marriage stuff, you know, stuff that I don't necessarily agree with, even the foreign wars, throwing the foreign wars, but they adopted an economic populist thing where they were like, we're going to have everyone's taxes below 100K, and we're going to like quadruple everyone else's taxes. I'd come right on board. Yeah. I'd change my party registration tomorrow. <laughs> Today. I do it. That would that's that's what they need to do, but they're just so like Dude, they're like, "Oh, let's let's repeal the estate tax." I tra- yeah. Charlie Kirk was talking about this. You know Charlie Kirk, Turning Points USA guy? Yeah, yeah. He was he he had a big tweet that had a lot of people in the Republican circles going crazy. He said um you know, he's like, "Look at the look at the border right now. It's a mess and this cancel that cancel and re- the Republican subcommittee on banking whatever was holding a hearing on repealing the estate tax, which, like, 
uh, you know, only impacts you if you die and your state's worth like over $5 million or something. Right. And they're trying to repeal it. And he's like, this is why Republicans lose. And I thought, you know, for the first time I ever agree with you, Charlie Kirk. <laughs> but you can only bring along people with social and culture issues so long. You got to you gotta give them something. Give them a check. Give them a tax cut, but not not the wealthy people. Give give a, give the working class something besides we're gonna build a border wall. That, you know you got to give them something else. Yeah. As ideally financially. <laughs> build a wall on the northern border. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. But right. that that's like something that needs. Well, I think in the end, what would benefit. Democratic Party is if they abandoned this whole uh, insane culture war stuff of like you know everybody's racist everybody's sexist when you know generally most when really people... it's just you yeah <laughs> <laughs> when you know uh, all these people are getting demonized left and right you know, in reality, you walk down the street, go outside. Most people are just normal, minding their business. Like no one's, you know, there, there's no white supremacist guy with no. a clan hood on behind every corner. No. You know, uh, so if they if they abandon that, they should return to their you know, uh, help the workers kind of policies. And for Republicans, what you what you just said, you know, like stop defending corporations that you know dump toxic waste in <laughs> oceans and pay workers slave wages with no paid time off like I don't know I, I feel like they think that uh, policies that benefit the average working man uh, are not as popular as they actually are but here's, here's the one thing you've kind of admitted. The Democratic Party used to be meat and potatoes, like new, the, the New Deal Coalition, right? Oh, yeah. Social yeah. Security, um, you know, safe working conditions, minimum wage, right? Um, and then, you know, they've been drifting away a little bit. Um, but Republicans have never been the party that you just described they should be. See, at least for Democrats, they've done it before. They just got to return to their yeah. roots. Republicans was, have to, like, fundamentally transform. You know what's funny is I saw, and I, I should do more research into no, this. No. I saw this, a, this is a research-free yeah. podcast. <laughs> I saw a, an ad for the Republican Party from, like, the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And it was all about pro-union pro high weight competitive high wages uh you know pro every worker's benefit that you can think of and i was like wow that sounds like the democrat party of yesteryear um so i was kind of curious i maybe that's an, you know another podcast yeah. but i gotta look more into that because i don't think that the republican party the Republican Party became what it is today, the trickle-down economics, the don't tax the rich like kind of thing. Water, Nixon, that kind of stuff. And I think that was like Reagan and later. Yeah. Reagan and then the 90s, what kind of brought... Because they tried to... I feel like Reagan and the Republicans of the 80s and 90s tried to revive 
the cultural conservatism of the 50s that at that point was almost evaporated due to the sexual revolution. And there was a big religious reinvigoration with the right in the 90s because Clinton was over here like boinking people left and right with all those scandals. It was a big like, we need moral leadership kind of talk. Yeah. We need, you know, like someone who cares about Jesus in the White House. As if he was the first one to ever do that. Yeah. He was just no, the first no. one to get caught. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now, now it would... I mean, what if Trump did that? It would, it would, it would be gone in a week. It would, no one would care. Oh yeah, if he got head in the in the. I mean, geez, you know what JFK did? Oh yeah, crazy. <laughs> so yeah, you, Republicans, I agree with you. Stop, you know. I know, I know, though they write the biggest checks, but you got to stop with like the shareholders, the one percent. Give some people some, you know, do, all right, you want to do tax cuts, fine, but just do them for, like, cap it at, like, 80000 100000 yeah. Cap it. Hard cap. That's what I admire, and this is going to sound, you're going to ask, you're going to ask me if I'm AOC? sick or something. This is what I kind of admire about Europe. <laughs> oh, right? no. It's they on seem, tape. You can't take it back. It's on they tape. They seem like they're kind of on board with uh, those populist economic policies i'm not really sure i think but the, their big arguments the, are over culture the right the right parties tend to be also populist right. progressive but then they just fight over like how many muslims to let in like that those are their fights yeah but it, like they're all in agreement that like yeah healthcare is a right uh you know like their right wing you know like climate change isn't an issue for them they all agree yeah. it's literally just like culture like you shouldn't have to work 80 hours a week at minimum wage right. to, to survive. Literally, yeah. Like when, when I, I went to Ireland, uh, one of the times I went, I spoke with one of the guys there. Eventually we got into sort of a political discussion. I was just kind of curious about Ireland because I didn't really know much about their system. And I remember I was walking on the sidewalk and I saw that these guys were like, they were closing up shop or something and it was like two in the afternoon or three o'clock or something and he was like oh yeah ireland has a 35 hour work week crazy what like but that's just normal i literally saw a graph today it was like the world's biggest 30 economies and how many hours per week they work the average the three fewest hours worked a week it was like 34 ish like 35, 34, and it was like Denmark, Norway, Germany were the three fewest. And the three most was like Costa Rica, Mexico, something else. And, it's like, and, the, and that was like 45. So it's like, oh, maybe less is more, baby. Maybe less is more. All right, well, I said that we were at 48 minutes. Now we're at an hour 18. So oh boy, uh, that's, this is a hefty one. Listen, download the pod. And then, you know, enjoy it in bite-sized morsels if it's too much to do it. You know, this is this could do commutes for the whole week, baby. <laughs> like, subscribe. Yeah. Unsubscribe, then resubscribe. <laughs> five-star rating. Yeah, leave me a five-star rating. Because I've actually had p- situations where former lovers have uh, left me and then left me a one-star rating on my podcast to, like, get back at me. That's literally happened, like, twice. So... Give me a five star um, for me and for Ryan. 
And, and yeah, and that would help me a lot. It would also help offset some of those nefarious actors in my former life. Um, <laughs> no outro music, because like I said, when it's a two-person pod, I'm not going to fuck around with music because I don't really know how to add that. Um, so thank you, Ryan. We'll see you again soon, whenever the next big thing is, or just another episode like this where we're just kind of talk. Which is what we'd be doing anyway in this house right now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, See you next week.